Welcome to Sleep Talk Snapshots, bringing you the latest on sleep from around the world. Hi, I'm David Cunnington, a sleep physician and a bit of a sleep geek. Welcome to this Sleep Talk Snapshot from day one of the Sleep Down Under 2016 meeting in Adelaide, the annual scientific meeting of the Australasian Sleep Association. So there's two topics I want to talk about today. The first is insomnia. I spent most of the afternoon attending sessions on insomnia and it really brought out for me the variation in treatment services that are available in Australia as well as some of the exciting research that's going on with insomnia treatment. As a lot of the speakers talked about, some of the data from Australia shows that 95% of people going to their general practitioners reporting insomnia are treated with a medication, most with the benzodiazepine and some with other medications. So there's a real impetus or a real imperative for us in the field to make available better non-drug strategies. And we know cognitive behavioural therapy is an effective therapy. There was a really interesting session this afternoon where different services providing cognitive and behavioural therapy for insomnia talks about the way they deliver their services and the programs they provide. There were services from Sydney, Adelaide, Perth and Melbourne. One of the interesting take-homes is that all the therapy or the treatment and the CBT that's provided all varied a bit from site to site. Some had more of a focus on the behavioural therapies like stimulus control and sleep restriction, whereas others had more of a focus on the cognitive aspects, so changing thinking around sleep and reducing distress around sleep. So either of those strategies appeared equally effective, and in fact most of the therapies combined some of those strategies. Some really nice data presented on training practice nurses in a general practice, this time in Tamworth, and showing that it was an effective way of delivering cognitive and behavioural therapy for insomnia for patients that couldn't access specialised services in a major city. And it was effective and well tolerated and well delivered. Another interesting study that was presented uh, this afternoon was the COMISA study, C-O-M-I-S-A, looking at comorbid sleep apnea and insomnia showing that it's actually reasonably common. And of men uh, presenting with insomnia, 56% of them had sleep apnea. It was also interesting to note that 34% of the men who met a diagnosis of having comorbid sleep apnea and insomnia had been treated with hypnotics. So it may be a bit of a red flag in primary care or general practice that if you're seeing a man and on hypnotics and things aren't responding, really should be thinking about sleep apnea and think of referring that patient on for a sleep apnea investigation. The other topic I wanted to highlight today was paediatrics and sleep issues in children. A really good plenary session first thing this morning with looking at surgical treatments around sleep disordered breathing. And when it came to paediatrics, it really did show that there is a role for tonsillectomy and adenoidectomy in young children. And it can be a really effective strategy for relieving the symptoms of sleep disordered breathing. Some really interesting commentary on maybe we don't need to get so tied up in doing sleep studies in children if they've got habitual snoring and symptoms of behaviours that suggest sleep disordered breathing. There may well be a rationale for just getting on and doing tonsillectomy and adenoidectomy rather than getting caught up in doing a sleep study. It's always puzzled me why in paediatrics they've got an apnea hypopnea index of greater than one as being seen as abnormal. Sort of get where historically that's come from because airflow measurements can be hard in very young infants. But in this day and age where we recognise more that flow limitation can actually cause symptoms, maybe the relevance of that AHI greater than one is something we've got to question and maybe we put too much weight on a sleep study. The second area in paediatrics was a really lovely presentation from Leora Kempler from University of Sydney and looking at a sleep intervention for new mothers. Uh, They essentially gave psychoeducation in the third trimester uh, prior to delivery 
and then some follow-up education sessions after delivery. That simple intervention resulted in a small reduction in insomnia severity index scores and improvements in fatigue, as well as reductions in the PSQI scores. Although the effect sizes were reasonably small, if you looked at that data in another way and thinking of it as those who had a clinically significant insomnia severity index at baseline, there was about a threefold reduction in the incidence of that with this simple intervention in new mothers. Improving the sleep in new mothers has a really big impact on postnatal depression and quality of life and also for the care of the infants. So this simple intervention may have a really big impact and be something that can be rolled out more broadly. Look out for tomorrow's update from day two of Sleep Down Under. If you're looking for a longer, more in-depth discussion about sleep, check out Sleep Talk, our monthly full-length podcast that's available at sleephub.com.au forward slash podcast or via any podcast app the iTunes Store, or there's the Sleep Talk app in the iOS App Store. For the A to Z of sleeping well, head to the hub, sleephub.com.au. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.